0: Rethinking Leadership Podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and in this podcast I interview leaders on their experiences of leading change, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. I'm interested in exploring how we lead disruptive change in a way that has a positive benefit for employees, business and society. In other words, how do we be more human and relational in our leadership and make a difference? This week's guest has some great tips on leading teams in a more collaborative and relational way. More on that in a moment, but if you'd like more information on leading teams through fast-paced change, you can download a report from my website at www.jude.team. Shopei Agbalusi is a leadership consultant and coach and founder of the business Mindset Shift. He's also the podcast host of Everyday Leadership. We discuss the need for courage and vulnerability in order to be authentic and have an inclusive workplace. Chopin outlines the steps needed to create an inclusive workplace and is clear that the conversation is just beginning. This isn't an easy task, but it's on all of us to play our part. Have a listen. Hi Chopin, thanks for joining me today. Can you tell us who you are and what you do, please?
1: Certainly. So, um... My name is Shafat Belusi. I am the founder of Mindset Shift. Um, It's a leadership development company where I'm an exec coach, so working with um, a lot of leaders in corporate, local government, startup organizations. And we also run um, workshops and leadership development programs focused on creating inclusive, um, equity-driven, psychological safe cultures that put people over profit. Brilliant. And I also have a podcast as well. I always forget about that as well.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. So for those who are listening, then where can they hear your podcast?
1: Um, they can hear my podcast on all platforms. So it's an Apple, Spotify. If you just type in everyday leadership, um, the podcast comes up and yeah, you can find me there.
0: Great. Okay. So I want so your your business is called Mindset Shift. It so is. I want to go there first and, and understand, like, what's behind the mindset shift? What's the mindset shift that you think we need to be making?
1: Ooh, the mindset shift I think we need to make in, it applies to individuals in very different ways. Um, one of the models that I, I tend to use is our mindset basically sits at, the a wheel I created in my business, mindset sits at the top. And then you have your mindset, you have your um, beliefs, you have your values, which inform your behaviors, which lead to your actions, and then you go back into your mindset. And in the middle of that is self-awareness. And the reason why the mindset for me is very important is that's the, the filter that kind of allows all those kind of things to go through. So when we're thinking about making, um, taking action as individuals, so i.e. coaching leaders, your mindset is going to be very, very critical. When we're thinking about taking action in the culture, so working with your people, with your teams, the mindset is very, very critical. When we're talking about creating spaces where it's people over profit, that's a complete mindset shift, moving away from the Milton Friedman way of operating, which came from the 1970s, of profit over people. And we can see a lot of the actions that have been taken by organizations over the years that have shown that. But now that the world has been changed in the last year in particular, forced that change a lot where people are now like, actually, I don't want to work in organizations where the actions don't match their words, where they might have all these beautiful values on their um, on their systems, on their walls, but yet they're not exhibiting it in, their, in the way that they treat their staff, the way they treat their people. People are going through um, this movement and this change and this shift organizations need to change the way they look at things. They need to shift their mindset, they need to shift their mentalities. So from the leaders, from the organizations, we as individuals are all going through mindset shifts. And that's why for me, that was very important to call it something that we can all relate to and something we all go through.
0: Mm. So I've got so many questions now, I don't know where to start. So I'm, <laughs> going to, I'm going to start with um, the first thing that popped into my mind was, Which comes first? Is it mindset shift or is it
1: behavioural change? Ooh, I'm going to say it's the mindset. Mm. Because the mindset has to be in place for you to have behavioural change. If you don't think you need to change, or if you have, for example, a a fixed mindset, fixed approach to things, your behaviour is never going to shift. Mm. And there's nothing that anyone can do whatsoever that's going to change that. Remember, there was a story I heard years ago of um, this guy who basically walked up and down his road. And every single time he walked past, there was a man and woman sat on the porch and their dog was there. And every time the dog was whining, and he was, like, he was very, very curious as to why no one moved the dog. And what was wrong with the dog? So finally he walked up and asked, like, what's going on with the dog? He's like, oh, we're sat in a nail. It's like, why doesn't the dog move? Because the dog's not ready to. We've tried to. keep keeps on coming back there until the dog's ready to move nothing's going to make a difference and it's very very similar to us in um, normally until that person's ready to have that mindset change of I'm going to stop looking at things with a fixed mindset to a growth mindset which means going through pain rather than trying to avoid pain understanding that failure or the difference between failure and being a failure those kind of things mm-hmm. Until someone's ready to recognize that you're never going to change therefore I can say all I want to say to you. I can try and coach you and work with as much as possible. But if your mindset is not aligned to that, it's not going to make a difference. And that's why mindset comes first for me.
0: And if you think about that, we're in 2021 now. In the last 18 months, we've, we've had huge amounts of change, haven't we? We've had yes. the pandemic, obviously. We also had Black Lives Matter movement that increased in intensity. I don't think it started last year, but it increased in intensity last year. Do you think those two things have created a big mindset shift and, and changes in behavior? And, and if so, what, what shifts have they created?
1: They have, they have created a shift in behaviors of some people. And from a general wide scale um, approach. They have changed the mindset of people generally in the way that they are talking as well. And I want to tackle that in two ways. So from an individual perspective, you now have um, individuals who previously felt marginalized, previously had gone through bullying, racism, microaggressions, all these different things, who felt they did not have a voice, who felt they couldn't speak up, now feel a lot more empowered to speak up now they feel a lot more empowered to move organizations rather than staying stuck now they feel a lot more empowered to create their own businesses and environments where they feel they belong rather than just fitting in so that's happened on that level you also have a lot of organizations who are talking a lot more about race talking a lot more about intersectionality talking a lot more about psychological safety and all this kind of stuff. So that's also happened in where previously it was it was it was never mentioned. He just did not talk about it previously. However, that's also led to a lot of talk and not love action from those organizations, led to a lot of performative stances from the, the, the squares we saw last last year, to pledges that were made, which when research have been done a year later, a lot of them have actually been followed up on, to actually tangible actions within organizations, not a lot coming out. And that's where you, uh, that's why I said was look at this in two, in two ways. You've also the interesting thing that's come up though, is previously a lot of organizations would have said this is um, a black problem in theory. Last year, what it really revealed was actually it's not just a a black problem. This is a massive organizational problem because the next generation, the Gen Z generation, were very much behind um, a lot of the protests that we saw last year. And they went out in droves because Mm -hmm. for them and their generation, they come from the connected generation where... All their friends are not just locally right next to them. Their friends are in, in the States, in, in Europe, in um, other parts of the continent. They talk to them via, via Twitch, via Twitter, via social. Like When you, when you ask a question previously, like, all oh, your friends are my friends, my next door neighbours, or my friends are at school. Like, no, my friends are who I was talking to last night, or oh, that person's based in the States. So for them, their generation is so connected. For them, it just never made any sense. But they're also generation that are stepping into the workforce next. And they are very much, actually, if I'm going to go to a place, I'm now reviewing what the, what the comments are on Glassdoor. So this organization, I'm l- looking at comments and people are saying, oh, this organization is not safe. This organization has values, but they don't meet them. This organization has a, a bullying culture, a culture that doesn't support um, Black stuff, even though I might be a white young person. They wouldn't go into that. Because for them, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. That's why it's a massive problem for organizations, yet they're still, the rate of change to which they're doing something about it is very, very slow. But from an individual perspective, it's definitely moving a lot quicker.
0: So do you think, going back to the mindset shift again, do you think that there's an awful lot of organizations and and individuals that have being quick to speak up and say i'm um i'm inclusive i'm racially aware um and therefore they haven't actually made the mindset shift because they don't believe they need to
1: they are a a lot and I'm, i'm i can say that because i've had those conversations where there are a lot of organizations that to the world they made declarations when you have conversations with um the c-suite it's why do we need to change we're quite good actually we've won all these different awards why why should we change for but yet when you read or you do a survey within organizations their staff are telling them both black and white actually this is not a safe environment this environment encourages bullying this environment doesn't let um my black colleagues progress i've read i've i've read reports of organizations in the FTSE 100 that predominantly had um, white staff and their white staff were saying we, we see the marginalization happening with our black colleagues and when we try and talk about it, we get shut down. So that mindset shift has definitely not, definitely not happened with those organizations and those are the kind of conversations I, I tend to have when I go in where I'm very, I'm very value driven And I don't want to work with people or work in spaces that are just about performative actions or ticking the box actions. So when Mm. I'm having those conversations, I'm I'm getting the feeling that, "Mm, okay, this feels very performative or you're not willing to put in the time and the effort and recognize. And for example, it's, if you go into an organization and be like, we want to do something about this, that's good. But it's going to take about 12 months at minimum to really do this because there's so many things we need to do. And the response back is now we need to get this done in a month or we need to have a workshop. I'm like, come on, do you really think that's going to solve anything? I mean, we both worked in, in business. We, we, can, we can't, <laughs> we can't solve anything within one workshop or within a month, let alone something such as that's complicated like this. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting those kind of responses and you're like, okay, this is performative and this is just for, press or PR or reputation and unfortunately I don't want to work in those environments so I I kind of step back and I let them do what they're doing the time will come where they will need to do that if they still want to like I said employ the right young talent or the bright young talent coming through but until they're ready to do that or ready to have that mindset shift I'm not there to force anyone to change their minds.
0: So do you think that um, creating an inclusive Culture and environment is, is still about um, approaching the early adopters who get it. Is that, is that the way to go? Are we, are we still at that point where we're still approaching early adopters and we're not into, you know, the, the curve hasn't gone up exponentially yet?
1: It feels like way. It feels like, um, that's, that's quite a, a good way of, of being actually. It feels like we are approaching the early adopters. We're, we're approaching people who are looking at things from a human-centered way of, of looking at their stuff. And when I talk about having um, people of a profit um, cultures, it goes from last year during the pandemic, I think, Every single organization said this phrase, "We care about our people." That's great. But what does that really mean in, in action, in real action? And it's that leap where we care about our people, we show it through what? So for some people, it was this summer you had Fridays off or you, you got to French Island on a Friday. For, um, for others, it was actually, we put a lot of steps into place for mental health and people can actually tap, tap into this. For some, however, it was actually, we want you back in the office as soon as possible. And we don't really care what you have to say. We don't care your productivity has gone up. We just want you back because we've got a building we're paying for, we can't get rid of the rent. Hence why the great resignation as, this, as they've termed it is happening. Mm. Where you've seen one thing where where it's the flavor and the right thing to say is, organizations said it. But when the actions, or when it came to, to step up and actually take real action after the pandemic or when they were still going through it, but when it kind of died down a bit, companies reverted back to type. Mm. And it's exactly the same in this in this instance, where you have the organizations that are serious about taking real action around inclusion, around equity, around actually understanding it first and then taking action they are doing it but those who are not really interested who don't see as much of an issue who see it as oh that happened last year and it was sad and we had to say or do something but we're not really that bothered they've reverted back to type and that is very evident
0: and do you think that for some it's it's just a distraction that they just don't need
1: yeah it's it's a distraction they don't need and it's something they don't necessarily understand either. And I think that's what it is because they don't have the understanding. They don't see how, and obviously are numerous amount of studies and stats have been done around how this affects your bottom line all that kind of stuff. But for them, it doesn't really make a difference. We're a great company. Our staff is still there. We're still making our profit. Our shareholders are happy. Why am I going to want to rock the boat or disrupt the boat by doing this, which is something that I don't really get or understand anyway and makes me feel uncomfortable. They're still in that, how does this make me feel? Oh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I'm gonna carry what I'm doing. And that's the mode that they're still in right now.
0: Okay. When you go into an organization, where like how do you start to generate that conversation around in being inclusive? Like what how do you, how do you start that? And where do you take an organization? What's the what's the journey you take them through?
1: So it depends on and why I've been I've been brought in. So I'm gonna use two examples. Um, One, last year I worked with the local government and basically helped them with their employee resource groups. And it was basically creating groups for their employees where they could meet. And part of that was also working with their sponsors, so all their C-suite counselors basically at at the senior level. So that allowed me to be able to go in and be like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this work with your teams, those on the ground, build this and create this and have structure into place and give that those groups the power in a sense to one, have a community. So you feel like you're not alone in whatever fight you're going through. Um, And then two, also give them, yes, questions that they can ask and propose where they want to see change. And then you take those questions, you go into the C-suite, and like, okay, these are what's coming out from the organization. And there were six different groups. So you had a disability group, the um, LGBTQ plus group, you had the um, there was a black group, there was a woman group, and I forgot what our fifth group was, but there were all five groups basically. And they were basically taking the pulse of the organization because there's all the different intersectionalities that were coming up. And then it's like, okay, this is what we're seeing this is the changes that we really need. If we're gonna create an inclusive council um, what what's the um, organization going to do about it? And then you take that in and you, you're looking around the room and you can see the uncomfortableness uh, around those those in charge. But then you start having this conversation, okay, what does this actually look like in reality? Like how does this make you feel? What's the impact this could have? How can you do in this and over what time? So you can have those kind of conversations, but because they have the questions and you got the post from the from the people, I can bring it out into the room and be like, these are, this is why we need to do this. This is what you're seeing. This is what's being reflected as well as then working with that team around their, and guess, their feelings mm-hmm. about the topic. It's always good for me to understand how do you feel about this? Do you feel this is right, wrong, or different, do you care? Do you understand all those different things? Because regardless of who you're talking to, we are all human.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and We all view things in our own way. So I can bring that to the floor, work with them to get them to, I guess, understand why we need to do this and then take action. So that's one way that can work. Another one I use a lot is um, I do a lot of work around authentic leadership. So when I go in, I'm talking about authentic leadership that will, I mentioned, all wraps around those different things. And to be an authentic leader, you need to have self-awareness, um, you need to have uh, a growth mindset, um, ideally, Need to have your values aligned, which is very, very critical. And then that informs your behaviors and your actions. And i wrapped around that as well as around relationships. So relationships then falls into like inclusion, equity, psychological safety. So we walk through those whole processes as to how actually, if I want to become an authentic leader, which is me not asking you to be someone else, but I'm actually asking you for you not to, be a leader like i'm gonna use an example donald trump <laughs> you could say he was a leader he was authentic i like no he wasn't an authentic leader to be an authentic leader actually cares you care about the the impact your actions um you care about the impact that your actions have on other people mm-hmm. so if you say you want to be an authentic leader and then you want to get all the different values that you get from that which is innovation creativity productivity growth which all organizations want Mm-hmm. then it means that you need to understand who you are and develop that self-awareness you need to know your values if you have values um for example such as one of the groups i was working with um the, one of the values was that family first and a lot of them had family first which is a surprise to me i'm like you have family first as your values none of you really take holidays you work 80 hour weeks you send emails on a saturday and sunday night But yet you're expecting your staff to really, really believe that you care about them, that you prioritize their mental health. You tell your staff not to answer their their, um, phone calls on the weekends, but yet you still call them. You still send them emails on a Sunday night. So every single thing that you're doing and what you say your values are are two polar opposites. You talk about having um, an inclusive environment, which you have all these different awards and you're very, very proud of. But actually, as an authentic leader, have you actually spoken to your team and your staff and built relationships with them to really understand how they really feel about that organisation? You see surveys come through and you don't do much about them. And it's, and it's those kind of things Then when I flow through from using that model of authentic leadership to flow it into what I just talked about, into relationships. And then when I go into psychological safety around inclusion, around equity, and then hopefully which to most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time by the end of going through um, some number of months of working through that with their, with their teams, they understand and then they can go and then go into the workplace. They model different things, try different examples. We come back, we see what's working, what's not working, but constantly you're, I guess I'm going to call it action and reflection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're spending that time in that workshop to really do some real learning and then you take that back into your organization. You work with your teams, and you imply that you see what works, what doesn't, and we iterate all the way throughout that period. And by the end of um, a nine to twelve month period, you can start to see the practical impact and changes of you making as a leader is having on your teams, having on your culture, and then you can then extrapolate that into different into other areas as well. But that's just another example.
0: Yeah, and it's it's always I'm always fascinated by what what does authenticity really mean because we all learn from an early age don't we 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 learn coping mechanisms mm. to to deal with certain things and if i think of you know my my experience in in the technology industry that was male dominated i learned to conform to the culture the predominant culture um, which was white male mm. uh, in the in the 1990s and and in the process of doing that i carved my career learning to conform to that and I don't think I ever felt that I was being authentic uh, inauthentic until I left Hmm. and it was only when I left that I started to realize how many masks that I'd had to wear to carve my career and so I, I think it's really it's a really interesting dynamic of I wasn't consciously faking showing up so it was authentic in its own way but it was driven by the the societal norm of the predominant culture which happened to be white male in that particular organization so i i wonder um and and if i think back to that time when people said we need to generate um opportunities for women Mm -hmm. I actually felt quite disgruntled by that. Because I I my my feeling was I already have opportunities um, as a woman, but without realizing that the opportunities were because I'd learnt to conform really well. Mm. So I just wonder what your take on that is from a from a race point of view.
1: I think it's we all wear we all wear masks. Um. And it's that recognition of: Am I wearing a mask or am I not? And if I am, what will happen if I put that mask down? Um, so I'll use myself as an example. When I first um, stepped into into the corporate world, I had a mask on. Um, it was a space. I, remember, I still remember going into the walking to the floor. Massive floor, probably about 400 people there looking around like daring in headlights and just feeling like overwhelmed because I was the only one at that point in time. I remember going through her head like, how am I going to be able to like relate and fit into this, this environment? I'll like, oh, be fine. I remember sitting down and the first conversation I had was my um two of my colleagues talking about skin like I'm, I'm i'm a kid from <laughs> from london like this is not this is not what i do it's not my background i remember thinking oh man this is what this is going to be like and i also had the um the slight difference of when i was only twenty, twenty two. i was married so i was married i had a kid so other conversations around, all right, we're going out tonight, we're going to go to the pub, we're going to blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, my lifestyle is so different from every single person around me. And I stick out like a sore thumb because I'm Black. But I need to fit into this environment in one, one way, shape, or form. So for a period of time, I conformed. I did exactly what you, what you just talked about. And I conformed. But I was just unhappy mm. I was I remember I, I used to go home to my wife I'm like I know I need to do this I know we need the money but I'm just so unhappy and she's asking like why I'm like I don't know what it is for I, just, I couldn't put a put a, a name on it or put something on it until I was like actually I think it's because I'm, I'm trying to fit into this environment and I'm scared that if I just stop acting and really really just be me people are not necessarily going to like me or take to me. And then that could potentially then stop me or hinder my, my progress, but I need to progress because I'm, I need the money. So all those different fears literally came out. I'm like, I'm just so unhappy. So I'm just going to do it. Like I have absolutely, in a sense, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing to lose. I'm here. I'm not happy. And if I carry and do what I'm doing. And that was the, sh- one of the shifts that happened for me of really owning who I was and owning my myself and my identity and all that kind of stuff. And having that attitude throughout my career has not been easy Mm -hmm. because that has given me a lot of roadblocks. And there are times when I look at them and I look at others, I'm like, if I just did this, if I just conformed, this was so much easier. But, and then I'd be like, but then I'm not being true to who I am. And that for me is much, much more important. But then they had other colleagues who over the years um, who came in and some of them were, were Asian and all that kind of stuff. And I could see the dynamics. I could see some who conformed and how that helped them. I can see others who, in a sense, were fighting that that battle um, as well. But for me, it comes down to, what you what you talked about that realization when you left that actually I didn't recognize I didn't have a name or title for what it was I was doing I was just in an environment it was male dominated I had to fit in I did what I did and because you do it for so long it becomes normal to you until you're out of the matrix out of the system and then you're like that took its toll on me Mm -hmm. because now I'm doing something different I'm so much more happier and freer and I can operate so differently. I don't use that mental capacity to fit into this place, but I didn't think about it at that time because I didn't necessarily feel like I had a choice. Mm -hmm. So now what I'm doing is intentionally be like, I'm calling it out, but like, actually, when you're thinking about operating, especially as as a leader, what does that really look like to you? What does authenticity look like to you? What are the masks that you're wearing? Like some of the exercises i get them to do, which, At first, then I was like, ooh, this is a bit close. But I'm literally asking them to, if you're going to be open and honest and build relationships, you need to learn that vulnerability is not a weakness, it's a strength. Mm. And so I asked them, exercise it. Are there things about yourself that you, you want the world to see and you give to the world and there are things that you don't want the world to see and those are your fears and insecurities and how could you moving some of those fears and insecurities from the inside to the outside actually change the dynamics of your relationship and help you develop authenticity and one of those things that comes up a lot of times is around vulnerability i know when i did that exercise for myself one of the things was i used to think um one of the words i had which is from when i was um when i was at school actually younger was i can be very busting and overbearing and i didn't want I'm 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 a leader. I'm I'm supposed to be dynamic and fun and building relationships. I don't want those words to be what the world says about me. But actually, by me thinking about those and holding on to those words and being bossing overbearing, I leaned too far into the opposite of I'm gonna call it overcaring. There's probably a better word for it. I'm gonna call it overcaring. And there are times when actually for me to be a better leader, I need to be a lot stronger than that and tell people, no, that we can't do that. We need to, so I can still listen and care, but doing a very, and it's me shifting those words from the inside to the outside. And it's those kind of things that help you to be able to understand, ah, okay, this is what it really means. This is what authenticity means for me. And all my fears can, can seep into that or, my security can seep into the way. So those are the masks that I ask them to just let go of in that environment. If you can do it in that environment with your colleagues, with sometimes your, your CEO, and I know it's scary, it can slowly start to build trust and cohesiveness on a whole different area. And then you apply that to your team. So mm-hmm. that's how I see it that And what you described is very, very normal. We all have to do it we've had to do it because we haven't had someone either give us a name that we can, we know there's something there, but we just don't know what it is or we haven't had the time to think about it. But now I will give you that or I myself, or even last year, actually, a lot of people spend time introspecting, just thinking about, is this my career, that path that I want? Is this the organization I still want to work in? I had a lot of um, senior men that, uh, that I worked with, who were at home for the first time with their babies who were born during that period. And that made them go from working six to seventy hour weeks to demanding from the organization. They wanted to work before hybrid really blew up. They wanted to have more flexible time because they wanted to be at home with their kids. Mm-hmm. But th- that was not the case before. That was the mindset shift that had to happen for them to realize they were actually missing out on, on something beautiful and great and stressful and tiring but they still wanted to do that. And it's those kind of things, those kind of conversations, the more and more we can have them and create environment and spaces for them it will make such a massive difference.
0: And I think what you speak to is that real balance between the courage it takes to, to be vulnerable. Mm. And, and, and also what comes up for me is how much effort it takes to conform but also how much effort and courage it takes to take a stand and say, no, that, that I can't conform because it's not aligned with my values. Mm-hmm. And that from, a, from a, a race point of view, the conversation that is required for all of us is to step into that vulnerable place and seek to understand and not have the answers and be willing to fail and get it wrong. And that's really vulnerable. And at a time when people are exhausted with the pandemic and exhausted with uncertainty and change, how do, we, how do we keep the conversation alive and moving forward and not just give up on it and say, it's too hard, I'm exhausted, I'll deal with that tomorrow?
1: I see that we keep it moving forward by focusing on the why the why those conversations are important. Because when you focus on a friend or colleague that you care about, if you really care about that person, you'd be willing to do what it takes to ensure that person is not hurting. That person is in a good place. That person is is um, thriving. You don't get to the point where you're like, oh, i am just kind of bothered, I'm too tired, I'm dealing with my own stuff. if you really care about that person, that's what you do. And that's shift only happens when you view someone as as human and that's where I've seen things happen even like I said the work work I do it can be very draining and exhausting sometimes and there are days where you have comments that have been made either online or even in sessions of people just saying stuff flipping off their head without really thinking about it that internally can hurt but then it's me then be like actually that that person is also human. That person is learning. That person is stumbling. That person is trying. So why should I get, am I getting angry frustrated about them? That's part of the journey and process. They're working through something. And exactly the same in this. Yes, I'm tired from, from COVID. I'm tired from the pandemic. Some people have gone through some absolute losses with families and friends. And you just feel like, For me to add race on top of that, that's something else I don't want to. That's another mountain. I don't have any energy to climb. But if you view it as a mountain, it'll always be hard to climb. If you view it as a bridge, it's a whole different scenario. So it's a bridge of, there's someone across that bridge that I want to connect with. And therefore, I'm willing to walk across there. Because if I do that, we get friendship. We get joy. We get laughter. We grow together. That mentality is so much more different than that's a massive mountain that I need to climb to get to the top and meet someone and just come about to do that.
0: Chopay, mm-hmm. that was uh, that was just wonderful to to speak to you today, and and I really love the idea of building those bridges and those connections, because I think connection is something that we're all dying for more of right now. So thank you so much for your conversation, your wisdom. There's so much more we could cover and maybe we'll do that another day, thank you. It was an
1: absolute pleasure, thank you for inviting me.
0: I loved how Chopin reminded us, me in particular, that creating an inclusive workplace and society doesn't need to be a mountain to climb, but to consider it as a bridge to cross, to create connection. And that can fundamentally shift the way that we approach it. Because when something feels enormous, there's a tendency to drop it and say, not my problem, or it's too big, or it's too exhausting. But instead, the invitation is for each of us to look at which bridge we can build, to support one person, and to support one conversation? Who would benefit from your ability to build bridges and create connection? How might that shift the mindset, behaviour, and culture in your organisation? I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Please share it with someone else so we can collectively inspire each other to rethink leadership in the world. If you'd like more information on leading teams through Fast paced Change, you can download a report from www.jude.team. That's it for this week. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature. Until next week, keep leading, and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership.